This is Dan Wharton Uncancelled. Let's go. But it's time for What the Farage with Britain's favourite Nigel. And earlier today, the Ministry of Defence revealed that a record 1,295 migrants had crossed the English Channel yesterday, smashing the previous single-day record of 696 set only three weeks ago. Those shocking figures came after GB News Home and Security Editor Mark White revealed exclusive footage showing groups of migrants trying to force their way onto Britain-bound lorries in the port of Calais. The distressing footage first shown on Nigel's show last night laid bare the scale of the crisis with HGV drivers forced to defend their own lorries without much help from patrolling French police in order to stop illegal migrants sneaking into British soil. Well, Nigel joins me now. And Nigel, you've got these record crossings plus the dangerous scenes unfolding in Calais. I know there's so many crises at the moment, aren't there? There's the energy crisis. There's now a law and order crisis. But do you think, and I think I know the answer to this having watched your show tonight, but do you think it's time for the government uh, to finally declare these illegal migrant crossings a national emergency? Yes, Dan, I do. I think this is much deeper than a crisis. And I'll tell you why. The numbers crossing the Mediterranean are running this year at double the number of last year. And ask yourself a question, where do they want to go? What other European country gives them a four-star hotel room? What other European country gives them dental care, medical care, three square meals a day, 38 quid a week spending money and the chance to work in the illegal economy? They all want to come here. Yesterday was 12.95. I promise you, Dan, you ain't seen nothing yet. Why do I say that? Because yesterday... The lifeboats were mobilised from Ramsgate to Eastbourne. That's only the second time Eastbourne has been mobilised. That is a 63-mile stretch of the British coastline that was on full alert yesterday for illegal migrant crossings. And the numbers are going to go absolutely through the roof. Now we know a huge number of them are young Albanian men, intent very clearly on working in the illegal economy in this country. Is it an emergency for law and order? Yes. Or the ability, uh, if the population explodes, for your kids to get a house? Yes. For your ability to get a GP appointment? Yes. But most important of all, and forgotten and ignored by the rest of the media, the clarion call that ISIS made in 2014, just before the Mediterranean crossing started, where they said, We are not confined just to these countries in the Middle East. We will spread our operatives via these routes into Europe and take on all of the disbelievers. Now, you can, if you want, ignore ISIS, or you could look at the barbarities that happened in Paris that night a few years ago. Appalling barbarities. Five of the eight men that did it crossed the Mediterranean. We are now letting in tens of thousands of undocumented young males. They throw their passports, their mobile phones into the English Channel. We cannot track who they are. We cannot see whether they've got serious criminal records. We are becoming a much less safe country as a result of this. And that's why this is now an emergency. But of course, ignored by Boris Johnson, who is spending his last few days on holiday in Greece or at Chequers. I mean, Theresa May I didn't like, but she spent her last few days pushing through issues that she actually cared about. Pretty Patel, well, pretty useless, I think is the summation 
of her time as Home Secretary. And the funny thing is, I interviewed tonight Stephen Kinnock, yeah. shadow Labour immigration uh, minister. He has nothing to say no. other than we'll crack down on the gangs and reduce the crossings. Um, this yeah, is how? something. How? Because I, I watched that interview, Nigel, and, OK, yeah. all, all well and good that you say you're against the Rwanda plan. What is your plan, Labour? And, and nothing was forthcoming from him when you no. pressed him on that. No, no. It was, to crack, it was to crack the criminal gangs. And, yes, let's be absolutely frank about this, the National Crime Agency did last month arrest 39 people, crack a big gang, and the numbers that came in July were fewer than I thought they would be. But when you can make millions of euros every single week, there's always somebody to plug that gap. So we have no government, no opposition. Most of London doesn't care. Most of the media doesn't care. GB News, the People's Channel, we've led the way on all of this. We've led the way on the stories, led the way on the predictions. I promise you one thing. We will not deal with this issue until we get a proper Brexit. And a proper Brexit being you know, free of European courts, free of judges or jurists as they are in Strasbourg. It's going to need very firm leadership to deal with. And I know we've got a cost of living crisis, inflation rocketing, all of those things. But I'll tell you this, this issue alone will lose the Conservatives, the Red Wall. These people, ex-Labour people, they voted well, they voted UKIP, actually, to begin with, but they voted Brexit. They voted for the Conservatives in 2019. To them, Brexit was about taking back control of our borders more than any other single issue. And we are being made an international laughingstock on this very question. So, uh, Liz Truss, if you're going to win, deal with it. Do not rely on Dominic Raab's British Bill of Rights. It's not worth a row of beans. We're still signed up by international treaty to European courts. That is what must be dealt with. And I tell you something, there is, I feel as much public support for my stance on this building up as I felt on the initial question of leaving the European Union. This is big. And you're also right, Nigel, to raise the threat of Islamic extremism because it hasn't gone away. And, uh, you know, again, it's something that just hasn't been spoken about uh, for far too long. Nigel, I did want to touch on uh, lawless Britain, though, as well, because what we're seeing on our streets at the moment also <coughs> feels unprecedented. Uh, there's a breakdown of society going on. The police, it feels like uh, the woke police in lots of parts of the country have actually lost control of the streets. Yeah, give it up completely. I mean, look, 50 youths ran in, ransacked, robbed a McDonald's in Nottingham. Yep. It's not a one-off. Yep. It's not a one-off. You know, we saw this in Oxford Street a couple of weeks ago. Yep. But here's the remarkable thing. 50 young men go in, cause mayhem, not one arrest. Not one single arrest. I mean, you simply could not make this up. Now, why is that? Could it be, could it just be to do with the ethnicity of those that conducted that outrage? And I think I've drawn my own conclusion. And it says to me, the police are now full on cowards. They're playing the PC game. They're playing the non-binary gender game. Uh, they're not dealing with serious lawlessness on our streets. And, you know, we're showing this video now here on GB News. But this is going around everywhere. 
The signal is clear. Go out and rob. Go out and break the law. Nothing will happen to you. I mean, frankly, if this isn't gripped, our cities will become unlivable. And I worry sometimes, is it too late? Have we lost? And then I'm reminded of my friend Rudy Giuliani. Dear old Rudy. Now, he may be knocking on a bit. He might have made a couple of mistakes in the 2020 presidential election and afterwards. But when I first went to New York, Dan, in the 80s, in business, I remember you wouldn't leave a bar or a restaurant without the taxi waiting. And you'd worry about that cricket pit length, cricket pitch length you had to go to get in that car. And you did it as quickly as you could and you got out. New York was terrifying. And one man, one man with courage, conviction, leadership, unafraid of being called, all the names under the sun, made New York safer than London. So I haven't yet given up on Britain's cities, but time is running short. Well, yeah, we need our own version, don't we, of the two strikes and your out policy. We, we need actual tough sentencing. Plus, we need to knock this woke madness out of the police because I think you're right to, to talk about uh, the fears the police have to deal with certain ethnic groups. I mean, we've seen that with the grooming gangs, Nigel. Another yep. story that GB News <clears throat> covers and the rest of the media seems to turn a blind eye to. Yeah, I was fascinated. Rotherham, I actually discovered this week a, a newspaper article about grooming from 1973. Mm. 1973. Been going on that long. That's how long. That's how long this has been going on. Look, what we need is one thing and one thing only, and it's called leadership. Now, I know you're backing Liz Truss to be the next prime minister. You're a man of wonderful faith in people, Dan, I have to say. Um, <laughs> no, I, we've got to have faith. Come on, we've got to have some <laughs> faith. No, no, no. I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with you. I hope for the sake of the national interest that Dan Wooten's bullish optimism yeah. about Liz Truss's ability to be bold and brave and take on these issues is right. I just fear that yeah. Nigel Farage's scepticism oh, and cynicism no. may, may well she, prove come to on, be she, She's not another Theresa May, Nigel. We, we, as a country, like in all seriousness, as a country, we cannot afford for her to be another Theresa May. It would be a complete disaster for this country. I agree. I agree with that. Dan, I say it again. I hope you're right and I'm wrong. I we'll see. We pray. Nigel Farage, great to chat. Nigel, of course, back tomorrow night live at 7pm here on GB News. Time now for star US journalist Megyn Kelly, host of The Megyn Kelly Show. And just as quickly as COVID disappeared, American doom-monger-in-chief Anthony Fauci has also decided to scuttle off into obscurity after two years of terrifying his country witless. But why has Joe Biden's chief medical advisor and director of America's National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases stepped down now? And what will be made of his, in my opinion, rotten legacy? Fauci flip-flopped on COVID more than a sandal on the beach during the pandemic from masks and vaccine efficacy to distancing him himself from ever promoting lockdowns. Here he is, by the way, in a viral clip from 2014, citing the basics of virology when it comes to natural immunity and taking vaccines after already being infected with flu. Uh, but she's had the flu for 14 days. Should she get a flu shot? Well, no. If she got the flu for 14 days, she's as protected as anybody can be because the best vaccination is to get infected yourself. And so she if, she get it? if she really has the flu, if she really has the flu, she definitely doesn't need a flu vaccine. 
if she, she really has the flu. She right. should not get it again. No, she doesn't need it because the, it, it's, the be, it's the most potent vaccination is getting infected yourself. Sensible stuff, right? Well, watch as he rubbished his own advice last year, totally trashing the concept of natural immunity and insisting infected people should take the jabs anyway. This is a question from Jan in Arizona who says, will people who have already had the virus be recommended to get the vaccine as well? The answer is yes, because uh, once you get infected with the virus, it isn't certain how long that protection would be. So what happened? Fauci seemed to completely throw his principles out the window when it came to pushing the vaccine. And you've got to wonder why. Megan Kelly with me now. Megan, is Dr. Fauci going to have the peaceful and relaxing retirement he thinks he deserves? I mean, probably. He'll get hauled before Congress, even though he's leaving the post, he can be subpoenaed and he will be subpoenaed once the Republicans are likely take over the House of Representatives in November. But... <laughs> Not much more is going to happen to him. The media's still in love with this guy. There are superhero dolls of him. The, the D.C. mayor proposed Anthony Fauci Day. <laughs> um, they still think that he's been attacked unfairly and refuse to look at the documents that have been unearthed thanks to multiple uh, public inf freedom of information requests and so on. Anthony Fauci says he is the science. He says there is now a Fauci effect in American medical schools, which is the numbers of applicants have gone through the roof. He says, according to him, though he doesn't want to brag, though they're applying because they've seen him and he has become synonymous with their craving for, and I quote, consistency, integrity and truth. He's an egomaniac. He was placed in charge of our COVID response for the entirety of this crisis. And he has not been held to account on any of the huge blunders, lies, and intentional subterfuge he committed of sane responses to the pandemic. I could go through each one of them for you, but his nefarious behavior is very long and very troubling. And so far, he hasn't been held to account at all. And Megan, it caused huge international damage, didn't it? Because all of us all around the world, we, uh, I mean, not me personally, but as a country, the UK put Fauci on some sort of pedestal. He was placed up there like some sort of a god who was not to be questioned, that he was the authority. And the media played right along. And when you tried to question some of what he said, you would get called a conspiracy theorist. You would get blocked on Facebook or Google yeah. or Twitter for months. Yeah. And so people started to learn, you know, like the mouse that keeps getting the little door shut on his little paw. Uh, he, they stopped going through that door. They don't care how much cheese might be on the other side. They stopped doing it because they get hurt. And we now know from having seen his behind the scenes documents that he actively worked with the head of the National Institute for Health, Francis Collins, throughout the pandemic to silence his critics, yeah, that yeah, they yeah. conspired to smear respected doctors from Stanford, from Harvard, from Yale, who were saying, you know what would make more sense than these massive lockdowns is to focus on, they call it focus protection, the most vulnerable, the elderly, people who are immunocompromised. And they made a coordinated plan to smear them as fringe 
breaks. And the media complied and they got takedown or they, and they used the word takedown articles placed in scientific magazines to try to silence any critics. And they were the ones who went to the White House and said, let's work with the social media groups to silence any questions about whether this thing, for example, came from a Wuhan lab. Meanwhile, it came out later. Something else that Fauci denied. No, we never funded gain of function research at that Wuhan lab. We never did. Came out later. They did. They did fund gain of function research at Wuhan. They had they were forced to admit it after he denied it under oath. And the man they're celebrating with superhero dolls hasn't been proven yet, but may very well have had a hand in causing the very pandemic that he was placed in charge of managing. We'll never know because the media is not interested in asking that question. We know he funded gain of function research on bats that did exactly what this gain of function research that appears to have caused this pandemic did. We just don't know exactly where his path landed. And we may never know because when he gets in front of Congress, he obfuscates, he plays the victim, he feigns indignity. And when the Democrats have been in charge, at least time runs out and he's allowed to walk off screen and nurture his ego a little bit more on one of the Sunday shows or on CNN or on some program that won't ask him anything about what he did to cause the pandemic and what he did to cause the lockdowns, which resulted in more deaths than we're able to tally, not to mention the damage done to school children. I know. And the collateral damage, which, by the way, Megan, as we're seeing over here, is going to last for years and years and years in terms of excess deaths. Nothing to do with COVID, by the way, all to do with the lockdowns. No, no. And, and instead, what we had was an Anthony Fauci saying, I am the science. When you question me, you question science. He was on the cover of Time magazine twice. He was on the cover of uh, it was some it wasn't Vanity Fair, but it was a magazine like that on the cover of People giving interviews poolside, sitting, trying to look like James Bond all four. <laughs> He's a star. He's a star. Oh, no, we've lost Megan. Uh, just at the most important point, because actually, let me tell you, this is very exciting. Megan is the host of the brilliant Megan Kelly show, uh, which you can find on Sirius XM, YouTube and as a podcast. And guess what? Tomorrow, I am going to be joining Megan for a very special live episode about a certain other Megan who lives in America. You know, Megan Markle. We're going to be talking about her in the next hour too. Megan Kelly, thank you so much. Welcome back. Now with scheming Nicola Sturgeon pushing a second illegal independence referendum in Scotland and power sharing in Northern Ireland at a standstill, preserving the union has emerged as a crucial battleground in the Tory leadership contest. So no nonsense, Liz Truss has come out swinging when it comes to toxic nationalism, slamming the deluded SNP and declaring herself a child of the union. That position has won her the backing of political firebrand, former First Minister of Northern Ireland, Dame Arlene Foster. And to help the cause, Arlene is currently setting up a brand new organisation called the Together UK Foundation that hopes to highlight the benefits of the union. My goodness, I am all for that. I'm delighted to say Dame Arlene joins me now. So, Arlene, uh, what made you decide to formally endorse Liz Truss to be the next Prime Minister? 
Well, good evening, Dan. It's lovely to be with you this evening and to listen to your superstar panel and all that's going on. Uh, well, really, I was listening carefully to uh, both of the candidates, all of the candidates, actually, until they were whittled down to two. Listening, of course, from my perspective as to how they were talking about the union, of course, in respect of Northern Ireland, how they were going to deal with the iniquitous protocol uh, which we have to deal with, which causes checks on goods coming from uh, Great Britain into Northern Ireland and uh, reducing our choice, increasing our costs, how was that going to be dealt with? And I was alarmed that last October, you may remember, there were reports that Rishi Sunak was one of the people who stopped David Frost from triggering Article 16 to deal with that issue. Uh, and so I've been listening carefully to what they've had to say. The fact that Liz has taken on the union debate has said that she is very much a child of the union, that she feels very strongly that the union has to exist for us all to uh, gain benefits from it. Uh, I think she has very much shown that she has an emotional attachment to the union, but also realises the benefits of the union. And I just don't see that with Rishi Sunak. No, very good point. Uh, Arlene, she, she also uh, has a bit of a different approach uh, to dealing with Sturgeon than, say, Boris Johnson. I want you to watch this and I'll, I'll get your reaction off the bat. The best thing to do with Nicola Sturgeon is ignore her. I think she's... <laughs> I think... I'm sorry, she's an attention seeker, Sepp. That's what she is. I love that, I have to say, Arlene, because I think Boris Johnson has always treated Sturgeon with kid gloves, hoping that the respectful approach will work, but it hasn't really worked. So did you approve of uh, Trust taking this, I guess, more forthright approach? Well, I think what we need to do is to be more confident about the union and why the union is relevant to people in their everyday lives. Um, we haven't been doing that, I don't think, really right across the UK, explaining why Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales and England are much better together as we have been in terms of Scotland since 1707 and in terms of uh, Ireland and then Northern Ireland from 1801. Uh, it's so important that we do stay together for prosperity, for economic betterment, uh, for our health of our children, for the education of of our young people, prosperity. There are so many reasons why the UK uh, will continue to be a success. We're one of the G7 nations, of course, uh, fifth largest economy in the world. So why in heaven's name would you want to destroy all of that uh, and to leave the United Kingdom? So I think we need to be modern, we need to be progressive, we need to be positive, uh, and above all, we do need to be confident, and I think that's what we need to achieve. Totally agree. And the problem is, Arlene, as well, if you really zoom in to Sturgeon's record in Scotland, because obviously the SNP have a long track record now of being in government, and it's a disaster, isn't it? I mean, you look at the state of the NHS in Scotland, you look at the drug deaths in Scotland, you look at the education system in Scotland. Well, I think one of the most frustrating things about uh, the record of nationalism and republicanism is that uh, whenever there's a problem, they blame Westminster. They don't take any responsibility for what's happening in the jurisdiction in which they have control, in which they have devolved powers. And we've seen that uh, in Scotland. We see it, unfortunately, in Northern Ireland from Sinn Féin uh, as well. Instead of working together with Westminster to get actually the benefits that can rule from being part of the UK, they're fighting against 
whoever is the Prime Minister uh, at that particular time. And unfortunately, we've seen that writ large uh, with uh, uh, Boris Johnson over COVID. Uh, I have to say the way in which uh, the UK rolled out the COVID vaccinations is a very good example of why the union works and works very well. Uh, but pushing back on that, uh, you've seen the way in which Nicola Sturgeon always wanted to do things differently in Scotland, not because it was better for the citizens yeah. of Scotland, just yeah. because she wanted to do something yeah. different. Totally. I, I, I wanted to ask you about language as, as well, Arlene, because uh, Truss's team say that rather than talking about Scottish independence, they're going to start talking about Scottish separatism. I actually yeah. think that's really important, to, to be honest. Uh, but do you think that's right? No, I do think it's right, because let's face it, what the SNP and what Sinn Féin want to do uh, in Northern Ireland is to destroy the union. They want to destroy our way of life. They want to uh, go off uh, on a, a myth-making fairy tale in relation to an independent Scotland or a united Ireland, instead of dealing with the realities of the UK. I mean, who's going to pay your pensions if you leave the United Kingdom? Who's going to look after you uh, in terms of your health yeah. and well-being and your education and your welfare if you the United Kingdom. So they need to be challenged in all of that. And that's why I've come together with uh, others to form this Together UK Foundation. Yeah. We're going to push back against some of the myths that are there. Uh, and also this uh, argument that an independent Scotland or United Ireland is inevitable. They're not inevitable. Uh, and therefore, we have to push back against that narrative. And that's certainly what I hope we can achieve. I think this foundation is so important, actually. I, I, I fully support it. So how is it going to work? Is it going to see you be more visible? I, I, I mean, what's Together UK all about? Well, it's about pushing back against the narrative. We'll be doing research. We'll be talking to people on the ground because I think that's really important to get right out across the United Kingdom to do that. We'll be holding conferences and seminars um, where people can come together and talk about what is the benefit of being in the United Kingdom? What's its relevance uh, to young people today? How can we reach out to people who don't really understand, to take it for granted, frankly, uh, the benefits that they get from being part of the UK? Let's talk about that. Uh, and let's destroy the myths uh, that are available. Uh, it's all going to be better if we're in an independent Scotland. I mean, for goodness sake, what happens to the defence of the UK if we lose Scotland or if we lose Northern Ireland? That's a huge question and one that's not talked about at all. So let's get real. Let's have those conversations right across the United Kingdom. And what I'm looking forward to the most is going across England and actually engaging English people in why it's better that we all stay together. Okay, Arlene, count me in. Seriously, I think this is such an important concept. We need this. We need to fight fire with fire. And the Together UK Foundation, I think, sounds like an absolutely brilliant idea. So well done. That was former First Minister of Northern Ireland, Dame Arlene Foster. Dan Button here again. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of my podcast, Uncancelled. Did you like what you hear? Well, remember to subscribe, rate and review and join me for more newsmaking interviews, fiery debate and free speech on Dan Button tonight every Monday to Thursday from 9pm till 11pm on GB News. <laughs>